Support for this episode comes from Viator. Experiences are what people love the most about travel. That's why Viator has over 300,000 bookable experiences, so there's always something for everyone. They offer everything from simple tours to extreme adventures. Plus, Viator's travel experiences have millions of real traveler reviews, so you have the information you need to book the best activities for your trip. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. One app, over 300,000 travel experiences you'll remember. Do more with Viator. to the Nick and Nolan Show, a Buffalo Rumblings podcast with your host, Nick Batt. The Prime Minister of Sweden visited Washington today and my tiny little nipples went to France. And Bruce Nolan. Yo, brethren, what up with thee? Welcome everybody to this edition of the Nick and Nolan Show. Some version of some some progress on our relationship with you listeners. Where this is and when you're listening to it and what came before it, we can make no promises. <laughs> Things are getting quite busy for us and we are we are collecting a ton of great content for you. So we hope you're enjoying it. Where we are in our current experience is yesterday we were able to spend some time with the wonderful Del Reed from 26 Shirts and get Jim's steak out, specifically introducing Bruce to Stingers, which after having a night to sleep on it, what do we think, Bruce? Stinger was great. I understand that other people might be able to think, gosh, this is an abomination. Like this is this is a crime against God. But my you know my general theory on things is just let people like things. And you know what? If it doesn't seem to fit your kosher stuff kosher then yeah. i would definitely not describe it as kosher <laughs> right so you know just because it's not that doesn't mean you can hate people and i hope you guys will remember that when i give you my ranch on wings take later oh jesus okay so yesterday we saw Dell and did the stinger sub and then we also had a traditional cheesesteak so you had half a stinger half a cheese steak. i did so the cheesesteak was good passed it passed the cheesesteak was absolutely good it was yeah. good it was for being as many miles away from Philadelphia as we are, aside, I think your one complaint was really with the bread. Right? Yeah, my one complaint was I, I think you needed a, a heartier, chewier bread than you probably got. A bigger, a bigger roll, but it was it was really good. I would eat it again if I lived in Buffalo and I wanted a cheesesteak. I would go there and get it. Yeah, nice. Now, after that, we were able to spend some time with Matt Perino from NewYorkUpstate.com and get Leonardi's Pizza, a true representation of a good Buffalo-style pizza. And we were able to go to Resurgence Brewery, and they allow you to bring in outside food, and we, we smashed a couple beers and smashed a damn pizza as well. What's, what's the takeaway from the uh, Buffalo-style Leonardi's Pizza a day after? I really liked Leonardi's Pizza. At first glance, I thought it was, I was a little surprised. I thought I was going to get a different texture when I bit into it. It looked like it was going to be crispier. Thin, yeah. It looked like it was going to be 
you know, crispy on the bottom. It looked like it was going to be more of a cracker, almost crust. And it was surprisingly thick and surprisingly dense. And it had a, um, it definitely had some substance there. Like it, you had two, I had two pieces and I felt fine. I felt completely fine. You know, some of these thin crust pizzas, you have two pieces and you're like, that's it. That, that, that's all I got. Yeah. And you have one half of one deep dish pizza slice from, from, you know, Chicago and you feel like you ate a half a casserole. An underrated characteristic of Buffalo, of a true Buffalo pizza to me and the way Leonardi's does it is the long, thin rectangle slice. Yeah, that was unusual. It had the same length, maybe probably greater length than a large, like a, like a Brooklyn style pizza, same length but different shape. Yeah. So, you know, you, you, one of those things where you almost expected it to be cut so that they were middles and there weren't middles. Nope. Every piece is a crust is a, is a crust piece. And so when you pull it out, it just kind of keeps coming. Like you pull it and you're <laughs> expecting it to stop. It's like one of those ridiculous, amazing advertising cheese poles <laughs> you see on the marketing. Only it's the length of the pizza Only slice. Only it's the length of the pizza it's slice. The, yeah. It just keeps going and going. It's like a magician pulling stuff out of a hat and it just keeps coming and coming and coming. Yeah. So today, well, first of all, how's the stomach after what we've I'm been? I'm fine. Through? Yeah, I'm 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 shockingly fine. I mean, really, we had a sandwich, you know, because we each had half a stinger and half a cheese stick. So we had a sandwich, and then we had two or three pieces of pizza. I mean, that's yeah, that's, you ought to be able to survive that. Yeah, I was I was fine. I think today is going to be a bigger a bigger today, test. Today for is me. a challenge. So today, as actually right now, we are in the car on the way to meet Marcel Louis Jacques of ESPN, the new beat reporter for the Buffalo Bills, at a Ted's Hot Dogs. So today, you've got hot dogs, wings, and beef on whack. That's a pretty that's a pretty substantive day. Yeah. It's a good thing we went light yesterday. Well, light. It's a good <laughs> thing I didn't stuff my face yesterday to, you know, catastrophic portions. Yeah. So that I would be able to have something left in the tank for today yeah i am i gotta tell you i am worried about for myself today because i am we're driving to ted's right now and i still do not know if i'm getting one or two hot dogs do you have self-control issues I nick is that what's going on i do yes if you anybody has ever seen me they can tell that there there might be a self-control issue present so ah but we are there. So is there anything interesting from the conversations with Dell and Matt that you, you know, uh, took away from, from yesterday? Yeah, I, I think it's really good. You know, both Dell and Matt were very forthcoming with us, and they, they both had, you know, some deeper thoughts on Bill's fandom and working with the Bills and professionalism and things like that. And because both of them are close to but not affiliated with the Bills. And I think with that, comes perspectives that we as fans don't have. We consume the media put forth from the Bills. We consume the products put forth from 26 Shirts. We consume the media put forth from New York Upstate. But we're not, we're consuming it as, as third parties. So they're almost second parties, right? They're second parties to the Bills. And so it changes the way they look at it. Matt Perino had an amazing take on the, the idea that fandom and professionalism don't occupy similar spaces in your heart. And so, and, you know, Del Reed had, had a great take about, you know, how being closer with the players and having experiences with them outside changes the way that you look at the game. And I think what this, 
the big takeaway for me yesterday is that fandom looks differently for different people. And I think we knew this, but I really truly feel like if you spend some time with people who are different fans than you, who have different experiences with you, and have different interactions with the team than you do, you know, if you, if you spend time with the team doctor, right, or the team reporter, or, you know, someone who works on the marketing team for the, for the team, or things like that. Somebody who works at the, uh, at the cafeteria right. at St. Uh, John Fisher. Right. And so, you, who are we to be so arrogant as to say that somehow the fandom that we experience is the correct fandom, right? is the only fandom? And I, I really feel like that's a message that needs to drive home. We may be the majority. Fans like you and I may be the majority. But that doesn't mean we're the only types of fans. That doesn't mean we can allow ourselves to wield our majority status like a bully pulpit. Yeah. Yeah, I think that there's just a certain... We, we had this conversation with both of them, but I think it might have been with Matt, where it was kind of like as you pull back the curtain and you start to see how the sausage is made... You start to see some of the, I don't know, some of like the normalcy of who these people are. The players, the coaches, their loved ones, their families. You know, uh, they are doing a job which we all look at in awe and and celebrate and worship in some ways. You know, not to be too dramatic, but there's a level of obsession and investment that is different than how people care about how I do my day job. I can tell you that much. <laughs> and that is, as you get closer to that and you see some of the, the behind-the-scenes stuff, this the I don't know, like I think it was maybe you who said, like, the awe just starts to fall away. And that's, that's, that's important. It's interesting. I think that... Um, I think it'll be a cool framework because I would imagine that today we're going to talk more about the on-field product. I agree with that. It was almost philosophy of Bill's fandom yeah. last night yeah. and uh, yesterday during the day. And today it's going to be a little bit more, I don't want to say X's and O's related, but it's going to be really a more tactical of a discussion. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think we'll go ahead and uh, unplug from there. Unless you had any interesting thoughts about what Matt or Dell thought about the on-field product themselves. I, I, I will make one comment before I turn it over to you on that, which is that both... Dell and Matt talked about how the excitement level and the optimism and the, like, a it seems to me that there is a recognition that this could be good, right? And there is like a, there's a little bit of a subtle hope that this really could be good. We, we have a quarterback who has already exceeded many people's expectations. Matt specifically said that. I think you and I have both gone on record saying that we thought Josh Allen was going to be worse than he was. Yes. So, it just is about okay. Well, how much better than how how much better than what we thought he was going to be? Is he going to ascend? And that has provided a lot of hope. And it seems like even for people who are in Western New York, not just fans who are across the country, like you and I in Cleveland, but fans who are present here in the community, you know, they're sharing that sentiment. So that was my big takeaway from them. But what, what is there anything else that was of interest to you? Yeah, it's not nearly as significant as the takeaway that you just gave, but Matt Perino lit up like a Christmas tree when he said the name Tremaine Edmonds. I mean, his eyes got 
wide and he was big and he was excited and he said use the phrase franchise altering player he did which is and Matt Perino not known for hyperbole for ridiculous you know out, out of whack hyperbole and I think it's really interesting and I think because of the Josh Allen focus people might be flying a little under the radar on Tremaine Edmonds and especially because you know in a lot of franchises middle linebacker is not that position but with Sean McDermott it is with Sean McDermott Luke Keekley has always been a better player than Cam Newton always he very likely always will be a better player than Cam Newton and Cam Newton's a perfectly reasonable quarterback but Luke Keekley is the best linebacker in the league for like seven years in a row he's fantastic despite schmucks on Twitter calling him a poor man's Sean Lee I want to smack Dallas fans across the face with my cheesesteak but you know it, 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 the Tremaine Edmonds hype is not as high as it should be and I know it's probably because the the Buffalo thing overwhelms him you know and also because quite frankly last year he was bad yeah. at the beginning of the year at the beginning of the year Tremaine Edmonds was really bad like super bad so let me let me stop you real quick here because we are driving through actual downtown Buffalo. We are like the high rises, the, the home office buildings, home of the Bison, home of the Bison. On the right. Key Bank Stadium on my left. Yeah. So this is we spent a significant amount of time in the suburbs and the outside parts of Buffalo. Now you are seeing something that resembles like areas of downtown Cleveland. Do we have any? Do we have any hot? Any quick takes on all this? Yeah, it's it's smaller than I thought it was going to be. It seems to me that downtown Buffalo is a smaller percentage of overall Buffalo than downtown Cleveland is as a percentage of Cleveland. Oh, well, that's probably true. Yeah, Buffalo is a is a community that I don't know. It's, it's about just, the suburbs, apparently. Yeah, it's, to me, it always has been. And other people might have different takes about that, but to me, that the suburbs of the city make up so much of what "quote unquote" Buffalo is. Uh, I feel it's. I feel similarly actually about Cleveland too, after having haven't been there for the last several years. But all right, I mean, I'm sorry to jump in on you on there. No, it's, you, want, it's, you want to finish up your uh, Tremaine Edmonds take? No, it's fine. I'm I'm done on Tremaine Edmonds. I just I think that because he started so slowly and because Josh Allen you know steals the hype train, rightfully so. He's he's quarterback, you know. But we've had good linebackers before. We never had a good quarterback yeah. since Kelly, and. I think I think Tremaine Edmonds, the concept of him being a franchise-altering player, I think is is real. Because from a physical standpoint, Tremaine Edmonds, I don't think it's hyperbolic to say Tremaine Edmonds might be the most physically gifted linebacker in the league. Yeah, I mean he runs low four fives. He's unbelievably long. He's unbelievably tall. He, he I think his RAS score was in like the top nine point nine. Like it was RAS score, relative athletic score. It is a conglomeration of his athletic testing relative to others at this position. So he's in like the 99th percentile of all overall linebackers. And when you, it's very exciting. It's a very exciting prospect. And that was my my take from Perino is that we should maybe we're maybe we're sleeping a little bit as a fan base. Need to get need to get off our rear all on the Tremaine Edmonds, Edmonds get a 49 jersey. I've got one other take from Perino, and you actually tweeted about it this morning. And it's about Perino's youthful appearance as a 37-year-old man. Son of a... Yeah, you're, you're damn right, son of a... The, 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 I, 
The guy is six years older than me, and he looks younger than me. Unbelievable. He looks markedly better than I have ever looked <laughs> in my life. Yeah. Uh, I did not expect to come to Buffalo walking away feeling worse about my, my, my looks by comparison to the guests on our show. It was, it, was, it, was, it was a bad moment for me as a whole. And, of course, you're sitting there scarfing down pizza going, what am I doing with my life? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know. And he, he smashed the pizza more than we did, and we're, maybe that's the secret. Maybe we're not eating enough pizza. I don't know, but he, he may have just come from the gym, though. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. you know, really. there's that, too. Yeah, jeez, Perino. Jeez, Perino, man. I mean, really, we talked in the car on the way up here off, off, uh, off mic about... Uh, about Keanu Reeves and Jennifer Lopez just never aging. And I think we have to add, as you did this morning on Twitter, we have to add Matt Perino to the list. Seriously. All right. Well, we are almost to Ted's, so we are going to go ahead and, and cut this one short for y'all. And we will be back with you once we are hooked up and talking with Marcel Louis-Jacques. So here we are, everybody. Welcome back to the Nick and Nolan Show. I'm Nick Back. You can find me on Twitter at N-I-C-K-B-A-T. Along with me as always. I am someone who took a bite at the wrong time. <laughs> I am, I'm Bruce Nolan. You can find me on Twitter at Bruce Exclusive. And we have got an esteemed guest with us, Mr. Marcel Louis-Jacques. Marcel, where can the people find you online? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Marcel underscore LJ. And uh, yeah, I feel like this is going to be a, a series of just perfectly timed bites. you got to go <laughs> in between conversation, right? So we are all together here at Ted's Hot Dogs in Buffalo on Chippewa Street. Uh, and we've got a feast in front of us. We've already placed our orders and hitting our french fries. But uh, this is both of you guys' first time here, correct? Yes. Oh, yeah. All right, awesome. But you just found out, Marcel, that there's one of these actually in Arizona where you were previously. Yeah, it's kind of, it's funny. It's right in my college town, uh, Tempe, Arizona. And uh, it was a place that I passed a hundred times and never really thought about going into. And uh, until finally somebody, when I got here, they said, oh yeah, there's one at Arizona State as well. I think the, the owner went there or his, maybe his kid or something went there. And I thought hard about it. Said, "Oh my God, yeah, I know exactly where that is. I could have, I could have had this hot dog years ago, but right. better like late the than never." Food ever is always the ones that you pass a million times, but you never go in there. And then one day you do, and you realize what your life has been missing. Exactly. So that's on me. But I guess you got <laughs> some catching up to do, right? All right, here we go. We're gonna help you. All right, so let's walk through what everybody's got in front of them here. I have got a foot long with everything, which is ketchup, mustard, the Ted's hot sauce, relish, pickle, onion. What do you got there, Bruce? I have a regular chili cheese dog. Marcel, what's left of yours? What do you got there? <laughs> I've got a foot-long bacon and cheddar dog with, I think it's the Ted's hot sauce as there well. You go. Some fries, uh, like a flight of dipping sauces. This is not like, my mom would be disappointed if she knew this is what I was eating for breakfast. This is breakfast of champions here. Who says you have to eat breakfast food for breakfast? Like you like a food. Why is it food? Why is food time sensitive? I don't. Sometimes it's like easier to go down maybe a, a, earlier in the morning. I don't. I don't know. There's got to be some kind of science behind it. I don't know, man. I don't. I think breakfast food in general is overrated. So. Oh, hold on, hold on. We <laughs> pump the brakes on that. The the world's most uh, versatile meal is not overrated. 
this thing is good. Breakfast is good for breakfast, lunch, and dinner, and late night. That's like four, that's four settings. What was the Taco Bell meal that they invented? Fourth meal? Fourth meal. Fourth meal. It's fourth, it's fourth <laughs> meal. Breakfast is universal. That didn't, uh, I don't know if fourth meal caught on like Taco Bell thought it would. Yeah. So, now that you guys are into your dogs, give us give us some feedback here. Is there any, anything exceptional? I should have gotten a foot long. Should have gotten a foot long. Mm -hmm. I'm consuming this a lot faster than I thought I was going to. <laughs> and now that I've only had two bikes left, I'm starting to get sad. <laughs> but it's really good. It's very good. Chili cheese? Chili's yeah. good? You know, chili's always been funny to me because the chili that you get on hot dogs is not the same chili you get in a bowl. And it's, it's very strange because it's still called chili, but it's very, 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 very different than the chili when you get a bowl of chili. It, 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 you should almost just call it coney sauce because it's really not chili. And, uh, you know, obviously we're from Ohio. In Ohio, we got Skyline chili, Skyline chili which is not chili. It's coney sauce. I don't even like Skyline chili. <laughs> you ever have Skyline chili? I've never had Skyline chili. Like a though. traditional coney sauce is a very fine chili meat sauce. Mm. But it's got like cinnamon in it and cumin and like some some like aromatic spices that are saved for Christmas for me. It's almost like a halfway point between like a chili and a marinara sauce. Yeah, it's, it's not strange. Like, I feel like maybe I have had that before because that sounds kind of familiar. I don't I don't know where though. I can't remember where. But uh, either way, Sky Skyline chili is overrated. That's that's my take. That's all I've heard about is Cincinnati, right? Yeah, Cincinnati. All right, so Marshall, you actually got the Ted's hot sauce. I did. And that's buried underneath some bacon and cheese. So how does it land? Uh, I, the dog itself is excellent. Uh, the charcoal grilled, charcoal grilled hot dog and bacon as well. It has a different, you know, smokier taste to it. Um, the hot sauce, it's, it's intriguing because it's, it, it's got ketchup and I think it was some relish in there as well. Yeah. I'm not usually a big relish guy, but this, it's like a soft relish flavor. Adds a little tang to it, but uh, not too hot, not too overpowering. This is a, no, nah, it's a good hot dog, man. It might be one of the best, if not the best hot dogs I've ever had. One of the things always, I've always been it's fascinated good. by when you see hot dog places, is you always think to yourself, I mean, come on, how do you a hot dog? You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. But then you go to places like this who actually do elevate the hot dog. And they find ways to do it, in this case, through charcoal grill and things like that. And it really does, you know, they don't have to go crazy with the toppings. Mm -hmm. now, a lot of places they try to elevate the hot dog by making it into some sort of monstrosity. I don't know if you've had a, the privilege of having a stinger yet. No, what is that? But, yeah, okay, so <laughs> yesterday I was introduced to a stinger. <laughs> a stinger is a buffalo chicken figure sub, okay? But it's also got, like, cheesesteak meat, like thinly sliced ribeye on top of it. Yes. And a lot of people would think it's an abomination. Well, a lot of people think that's what you would have to do to a hot dog to elevate, you have to turn it into some sort of abomination. And I think this place just proves that you don't have to. Yeah, keep it simple, make it good, right. keep people coming back. People will come back. No, I, yeah, hot dogs have always been kind of reserved for like, like sporting events. Like that's, that's the only place I get a hot dog, that's where I associate hot dogs with. I don't think I've ever before gone out of my way to get one, but I would probably go out of my way, especially if I'm close by, to get something from Ted's, man. It's a real quality dog. So out of all the places you've been to get a hot dog at a sporting event, who had the best hot dog? Oh, I would say that. Yeah. Uh -huh. 
The other thing that Ted's has that is a big Western New York claim to fame is Loganberry. Now you can get Loganberry at a lot of places, but they've got one of the few purveyors that I think you know really gives it does it right. And Loganberry is a Western New York soda, mm. very lightly carbonated, right? That was, that was your chief your chief uh, observation about it, right, Marcel? Um, yeah, I mean delicious. Don't get me wrong, but needs a little bit of just like a little a little bit of um to it. I think would push it really over the edge, but it's not that I won't drink it flat. It's just yeah, you know, it tastes like it could be a soda. Yeah. So it's a hybrid fruit flavor that came from a, an old amusement park that used to be in Canada called Crystal Lake that's now closed. They had the Loganberry drinks there. And then that has since closed down a long time ago. But other purveyors and uh, businesses adopted the, the flavor and the drink and now sell it at you know local restaurants and stuff like this. But you can't get it outside Western New York. I, I'd never heard of it before, I think, today. So, uh, I'm only a day ahead of you. I found out about last night when I had a Loganberry beer. Yeah, which so. is still intriguing, man. Still intriguing to think about. I don't... I gotta try it. I'll try it. Really, I'll try it. Resurgence Brewery, so plug for Resurgence. Uh, they had a Loganberry Wit. So very, it wasn't very hoppy, right? Which is good. Yeah. I'm not an IPA guy. Yeah. So the, the more hoppy, the less I typically like it. I, I can't get past the fact that hop, really hoppy IPAs kind of taste like cleaning product. I can't get past that. Um, sorry for all the beer snobs out there who are currently rolling their eyes at me. But <laughs> I mean, that's fair to each their own. I'm, I'm a bigger, uh, I'm a bigger IPA drinker than that. Oh, no. So. Oh, no. Uh, I, but uh, I got off my bad foot with Marcel. I'm sorry, Marcel. No, man. I'll try harder. It's better than insulting breakfast. Like that is still. We're ah, gonna. We might know. have words for that after. But no, I need to get my or set my brewery game up locally. Oh yeah. Because um, that was something Charlotte was really was really known for, and I think I I barely scratched the surface as far as you know Charlotte, North Carolina breweries, but haven't been one since I got to Buffalo, and uh, I want to probably change that pretty soon when you think about right so what we're doing right now is we appreciate you joining us on the food tour to try to turn Bruce into an honorary Buffalonian kind of Bills fan most of his life but never you know been here a dozen times or so mm. and often not had any of the, the true staples of the city so we appreciate you joining us on that and introducing you to Ted's what are some of the staples that were in North Carolina that you got pretty accustomed to? Um, man, that's a good one. I, I, I tried to get on on the cookout, but I was a little late to the game, and really only their milkshakes. I don't, I still don't think the food is that great. But uh, God, Charlotte was. Uh, I feel like Charlotte was so it, it, it was growing and changing to a point where I didn't get the, the staple experience. There was just something new to try yeah. basically every day. But my personal favorites, um, I loved um, Bang Bang Burger out okay. in South Bend. Uh, that was that was the best burger I personally had. There, really? might, be, there might be better ones, there, there, there might not. Um, Big Ruru Taco fan as well. And I got a high, 
a, a high level of, uh, of snobbishness when it comes to, to tacos coming from you know California Arizona Texas right. and Ruru's was a great, it was a great taco man but it's just incredible uh, breweries man I feel like that's the bigger staple in restaurants out there is places like Noda Brewing uh, places like Birdsong uh, I even like Unknown was over by me I used to go there a lot so there, there's a bunch of Charlotte just had so many places you can kind of it, it, it's hard to call certain places staples and I wasn't there long enough to be able to do it but you can kind of create your own adventure whenever you go there yeah. what's the barbecue scene in Charlotte because Carolinas have like multiple kinds of like barbecue that are staples right mm -hmm. So I'm trying to think, I'm trying to remember what it was called, but there's a place that opened, um, oh, there's Midwood Smokehouse. That one was famous. I think uh, Obama even went when he was in town. Okay. And Midwood Smokehouse is incredible. Um, there, It's not in Charlotte, it's in South Carolina, but the, the Smoking Pig, uh, I think it's in Pendleton out near Clemson, is a must stop anytime you go see Clemson play. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I only had it one time, and it, it's the best barbecue that, not even just outside of Texas, it's the best barbecue I've ever had, period. Wow. Okay. So, you know, if you're ever down that way, I would uh, definitely make the trip. So you, you spent time, my understanding is, doing college football reporting, and then you got the opportunity with the Panthers and now up here with the Bills. Is there, from from your seat and your responsibilities covering those teams, is there a significant difference between covering a college team and a pro team? Oh, absolutely. Um, the game is fundamentally the same. Yeah. But the the biggest difference there is is the access. In college, generally, the, the sports information director or the communications director uh, works with the coach and they pick which players come out for availabilities, they pick which coaches you get to talk to, some schools you get coordinators, some schools you don't, and uh, it, it could make the job a little trickier, but in the NFL, um, I mean, you get the head coach several times a week, you kind of, it's an open locker room, so you, you can pick which players or you can walk up and ask your own questions. I don't want to say you, you could pick a player because that just sounds weird, but there's just more access to them and, and more opportunity, I feel like. And I, I love college football, but at, at this point, man, I, I don't think anything beats the access of covering the NFL. Yeah, that makes sense. What do you think is your, when you got the opportunity to come on board with ESPN and go to, come to Buffalo from Carolina, obviously the opportunity with ESPN, I mean, I would assume you're going to wind up on SportsCenter once or twice now, right? I mean, that's a that's a pretty that's a pretty sweet gig. That's what a lot of us, you know, daydream about when we're growing up. If we think about we want to get into sports media, it is, man. It, it's it's still it, it's such a blessing, man, and it's still hard to believe sometimes. But uh, actually, I did a um, I did a hit for NFL Live. Uh, I filmed it, I think, on on Wednesday, and and. It came out. It just aired yesterday. Oh, nice! How was that? And, uh, watch yourself. Like it's surreal, man. I was like, I can't believe that's you know my name on NFL. It's my name on on ESPN. It's it just 
like I like I've said, it it's such a blessing, man. It's something that you pray every day for, that you work every day for, and uh, it, it's it, I don't take it lightly. Yeah. So aside from the outlet that you're going to be working for, is there any perceived differences from your just initial reaction or initial? thoughts whenever you got the opportunity to come to Buffalo between covering a team like the Panthers and the Bills? Uh, I mean, I was excited to come to Buffalo because of everything I've heard about the fan base, that the kind of fans that, you know, still show up by the tens of thousands during five-degree games in a snowstorm. Like, that's that kind of character you don't find everywhere across the league. And it also helped that I've been to Cleveland, or I went to Cleveland last year when Carolina played them, and it turned out to be just a way different kind of city than I was brought to expect. Ah. And so when I, I, my experience there made me think, you know, you know, everybody wants to talk about how miserable the weather is in Buffalo and da 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 da. But I'm sure as many people have been to Buffalo as have been to Cleveland, which is not many. So let me go experience this for myself. Let me keep an open mind, and it's just. It's been a fantastic experience so far. Yeah. Like, I don't, I don't understand how anybody who's been here in the summer to have anything bad to say about this place. Yeah, well, we're glad to have you, and we're glad that you're having a more positive experience than your predecessor did <laughs> thus, thus far. We hope it stays that way for you. And we don't have anything against Rodak. We, we, I think we both thought Rodak was a, was a strong reporter and appreciate what he put out. Uh, but the fan base thing, that passion can swing both ways, I suppose, right? Yeah, it definitely can. And I've been I've been lucky enough to not experience, you know, the the full force, <laughs> the full anger yeah. of, a, of an entire fan base yet. But and uh, hopefully, you know, it can stay that way. But uh, for sure. But you know, it that just is what it is. When people, whether they're they're angry, whether they love you, if they are responding like that on social media then they're at the very least paying attention and that's that's kind of all we can ask for right now i don't need i'd rather you like me but like i don't i'd rather people pay attention than love or hate me whenever you got the opportunity to come to buffalo so i'm sure you know you were covering an nfl team so being a sports fan and a football fan in general and all that you would be paying attention to what's happening around the league and all that is there anything that you have learned about the Bills specifically as far as the organization or on-field product that is different than what you maybe uh, your initial connotation was whenever you were going to be coming to Buffalo? Um, I don't know if I don't know if anything I realized has, has been different than what I expected uh, because I you know I've talked to people who have, who have covered the Bills I've talked to people who, who have dealt with them in some capacity uh, dealt with the personnel there and uh, it's very it's an open uh, communication staff they are you know they're, they're very friendly they're very welcoming they're very professional um, the team itself uh, I know that Brandon Beans you know had some work to do over the past couple years you know getting them out of a hole but I think the the team itself is in a good position in the future with a, a, you know, a lot of good young pieces especially on that defensive side of the ball to where they can start to lock up, you know, they can lock up their franchise cornerstones. You know, hopefully Ed Oliver pans out, like that's a guy who can anchor your defense for a while. Cody Ford, same thing on the other side of the ball. Uh, you got your, you got a secondary in place that 
you know, could be tops in the league for several years to come. And, you know, it's hard to have that many pieces where you can say, all right, like these are our guys. These guys are going to help us win long term instead of just constant reshuffling. And I think that's what Buffalo's been used to over maybe the past decade or so is, you know, constant, constant reshuffling. And it, it does look like there's, there's stability now. So speaking of our guys, so there's a comparison that I want to I want to talk about. And that was the comparison between a quarterback that you covered and a quarterback we had. The Josh Allen Cam Newton comparison has been there since pre-draft. Rampant. Rampant. But if I remember correctly, you're, you're, you're you, shaking your head you might have a different take on this. Would you like to share this with us? <laughs> yeah, I'm happy to keep trying to put this to bed. Um, <laughs> I don't even, I just don't, I don't know how, when you see Josh Allen play in college, like one of the last people I see is Cam Newton. Okay. I mean, Cam Newton was dynamic with his, his arm and legs. He was efficient with his arm and legs. And uh, he just that, he was a one-man focal point at Auburn. Josh Allen, big arm, known for making big downfield plays. He wasn't running the ball like Cam Newton was in college. NFL, they might have they might have had comparable numbers, but they were running it. They weren't running it the same. They weren't running in the same scenarios. Allen was okay. Play breaks down. He's able to pick up some yards with his legs. He's mobile. Cam, when he's running, that was the play. <laughs> like that was the play. Everybody, you know, everyone, run your man off the ball. Cam's gonna take off. Uh, and I think. Allen's also got a stronger arm than Cam. I think he's more of a gunslinger than Cam is. I see him as more of a Brett Favre type than, oh, a, than a Cam Newton just, type. You just said something just that's going to make sure that... Can I get a recording of that so I can play it every night when I go to bed? I want to say, I want to be clear, Brett Favre type. Not Brett Favre, that is a dangerous to say. I'll take, I'll take I anything him, I can get right I see now. him as more of a gunslinger than, than, uh, than a, a dual threat quarterback. Uh, I don't think, you know, if teams are going to game plan around Allen's ability to run the ball, I think it's going to severely limit what kind of yards he picks up in 2019. Teams knew right off the bat that Cam was going to run the ball his rookie year, and he still ran for, what, 800 yards or so. Like, it's just, they're different. They are different players. So, uh, can you t this is one thing that I'm very interested in. So, I agree that I noticed that... Josh Allen seemed to have that throw an unwise pass, throw like a, you know, throw something that maybe he shouldn't have thrown, which I think was a hallmark of both Brett Favre's highlights and lowlights. I never really got the impression that that was the way that Cam played the passing game. Can you, so you watched him a lot more closely than I did, but can you, can you unpack that at all for us? Yeah, I mean, it's the year that I, spent around Cam, it was, the Panthers are going through this offensive renaissance under, with North Turner calling plays, to where, you know, you're, they're not taking shots down the field, they're looking for quick receivers and Christian McCaffrey to separate around the line of scrimmage, get them the ball as quickly as possible, and let them turn into a running back from there. But Cam, he's, he didn't throw deep. He couldn't throw deep because of his shoulder, but even when it was healthy, he wasn't really airing the ball out like that. He was a lot more calculated. He wanted, you know, not playing it safe, but like calculated, playing it smart. And uh, 
while Josh, I mean, he's a rookie and his his mentality will probably change over the course of his career. But for now, he's got that, you know, that, that just ultimate confidence in his arm that some players in the league don't have, like that cutler. You guys cutler. can't hear me smiling, but I... <laughs> That's my. That's Mixed my. Mixed over here with this gigantic <laughs> grin, like this is the greatest thing he's ever heard. I didn't think you were gonna say grin, but I'm glad you did. And and and. <laughs> oh, oh, I would have went home. <laughs> and, and fittingly, in the background, Elton John's "Your Song" is playing, <laughs> and it's the ode of Nick to Josh Allen now, after he's been compared to a similar style of player as Brett Favre. Yeah, I, 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 I don't know. People have people have made the comment that Josh Allen's uh, Josh Allen's ceiling is like Cam Newton's MVP MVP season, and I just don't. I don't know. That just isn't the, the comparison. Never quite made sense. They're both tall. They both were productive in running. I just didn't see it being. I don't know. Very similar. And I don't know, that, that's, that, we've, we've kind of, we've hit it. But. You know, some people got carried away, I think. I just don't, I mean, and anybody listening to this, you know, feel free to try to convince me on, on Twitter because I, I have not once actually heard somebody argue why they are comparable quarterbacks. But I, I think most importantly what we're forgetting is if his, even if his ceiling is Cam Newton's MVP year, there's no way that they're going to game plan. Uh, they're going to work that into the game plan. He's not going to be allowed to do that. They're not trying to run him that much. Right. You heard Brandon Bean say this offseason that he wants Josh running more like Russell Wilson does. So, you know, take, picks his spots carefully, runs when he has to. Had a career low in rushing last year for Russell Wilson. I think it's 300 some odd yards rushing. That's so like you. Uh, for unless that is just his his trademark skill like cam like rg3 like like uh, michael vick then running your quarterback should really just it should be just situational because of the risk you're taking there it doesn't make sense that's why you have running backs if you you know are trying to move the ball on the ground quarterbacks running supposed to keep a defense on your toes supposed to move the chains when you have to short yardage stuff like that but yeah no i don't uh i wouldn't expect josh having a a season like 2015 camp. All right, so just as a, we gotta go back to the food here because Marcel is polishing off his foot-long dog with hot sauce, chili, or hot sauce, cheese, and bacon. But he is he is full-fledged into one of his dipping sauces on the hot dog. Yeah, I want to say it's the Chipotle Ranch, but um, it could be the burger sauce. Tastes like. Um, Maybe Chipotle blue cheese. Uh, <laughs> definitely some blue cheese in that. But uh, you blue cheese guy or ranch guy or both? Um, I can do both. I am loving blue cheese at the moment. Goddamn, Bruce, might need to bring Marcel on full time for the pod. Come on, man. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see. You're gonna get tested later today. Have you had any wings since you've been in town? I have, and. Um, Let's see. A lot of people have told me I need to go to Barville. I haven't made it out there yet. That's where we're, we're headed today. Well, uh, y'all let me know how that, how that is. It's definitely on the list. Um, I had wings at the public house uh, on the lake. They're okay. Beautiful views, though. Then I had Gabriel's Gate. Hey, there's a soft spot for me. Well, uh, and... Uh, this might be where I stop endearing myself to people. I, I didn't really like Gabriel's Gay Wings. Oh, no. I, I might have, and that might be my fault, 
uh, I might have got the wrong flavor of them. I What'd got. You do? Um, there, it was dry rub, whatever it was. They're really uh, dry rub. Seeing wet sauce, it's yeah. I can't speak to it. And can't, uh, can't, yeah, can't I wasn't, uh, I wasn't feeling. One of them was the Cajun. Okay. And uh, it was just too much, too much seasoning, too dry. I, I, I wasn't into it. I'll, I'll probably go back, but after everybody else gets around. Bada Bing, though, have been my favorite wings in town, hands down. Where's that? Bada Bing. It's uh, okay, actually okay. right up the way here on Chippewa Street. Oh, nice, nice, nice. The nice thing about this in, in town is that most of the time you can get good wings just about anywhere. And then there's a handful of places that are S tier. Yeah, yeah, S tier. That's right, tier maker. Absolutely. Right. Um, Bar Bill is Josh Allen's preferred. Wing oh, yes. Yeah. So, okay. you know, that's why we have to make sure we go there today because I have to figure out if I, if I have a chance of adhering myself to the, to the Bills fans. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I do, yeah. I mean, you went dry rub, so I, I guess I have to. You have to hold that. You got to get the staple whenever you're trying to measure a food stuff. You know what I mean? Exactly. So you got to get the classic hot or medium or whatever. If you order something that's off, off the class, like off the traditional food item, you got to just you can't really use it as an value. It's like coming to Ted's yeah. and getting a hamburger. Like you thought about doing. I did think about doing it. <laughs> Thanks for calling me out like that. But you'll notice I didn't do it. You okay? didn't, you didn't did. do it. And okay? that deserves credit. I, I thought about it, okay? But no one would have known that if you wouldn't have just said something. Well, it's good radio. <laughs> so, Marcel, what's your, if you were going to talk to somebody hmm. who maybe, I'll ask you this, I guess. What would be the thing that you think could sink the battleship on the Bills. There's a lot of optimism right now because I think people think that Josh Allen has exceeded some expectations a little earlier than people thought. He, you know, back in the last season, he was better than I expected him to be at all. But if there's something that was going to pull us down, what do you think that would be? Uh, I mean, you can always say, you can't even say injuries actually at this point because I think they've, they've done a good job of adding depth to the roster where the, that fall off, the drop off from starter to second, third string isn't as far as it once was. But uh, I, I think the biggest thing that could sink this ship is uh, it's so much centers around Josh Allen and if he fails to develop, if he's failed to take an, you know, an additional step uh, in his second year, which is the toughest year I think for most players and especially quarterbacks once you know opponent, opponents understand you a little bit more once they get some more like some strong film on you to, to assess what you're good what you're bad at so teams they're not gonna let him run they're not gonna let him get a hundred yards on five six carries like he did uh, last season they're going to take that little safety net away. And if he hasn't been able to gel with these new guys, if he hasn't been able to, uh, you know, to, to just improve as a passer. You saw Jacksonville last year, what happens, what a bad quarterback play can do to an otherwise great team. And uh, I think that's probably the floor for them this season. Does Sean McCoy still have it in him this year? People who see him a lot closer than we do say that he does. And I, I wholeheartedly, this thing is a business, and if they didn't think he could play anymore, he would probably be out of here. Yeah, probably be cut by now. They save a lot more money, and it's easier than trading them. Uh, but poor offensive line play in 2018. Uh, new quarterback to get used to. I think, uh, I think he's got at least one or two more years of productivity in him. I don't think, you know, he's not shady of the past, but I think LaShawn McCoy, 
is still has still enough in the tank and still has enough veteran experience to contribute over the next few years. If you pay attention, teams will tell you what they think. And when you sign that many offensive linemen and you don't get rid of your running back, who would be a significant savings if you did? It's pretty clear the organization thinks yeah. they still got it. And they, they put a lot of the onus for the bad season in 18 on the offensive line. And I mean, that's just, that's how it works on the offensive line too. You could be the best in the league and you're rarely gonna hear about it, but if you're bad, people will let you know. And last year, injuries, help didn't help, but it just wasn't a good, it just wasn't a good line last year. And I think the improvements that Bean and company have made, I think the, the further development and further continuity in this offense under Brian Dabble, I think uh, that they're poised for a bounce back in 2019. Uh, I would, I'm not ready until I see a couple games to say, or at least see training camp to say which side of that playoff line they're on. But I think they are, they're close to it on either side. They're either almost there or they're just in. And so I, you know, it's a tough place to be long-term. It's a tough area to be long-term, but compared to, you know, how the past five, 10 years have been in Buffalo. 17, 18, 19. <laughs> yeah. Trying to be kind, but compared to how, how recent years have gone, I think this is a step up. And I think that it's, it's going up and to the right, right now. So you're in a unique position to answer this question. You'll be even better suited to answer it at the end of this year, but I not, may not be able to get a chance to ask you. You have seen Ron Rivera, and now you've seen Sean McDermott. And I need to compare and contrast them because McDermott comes from Carolina, but he's got some Andy Reid influence. Rivera's in the Chargers, but he's got some Andy Reid influence. And what's Sean McDermott like compared to Ron Rivera? Are you going to see Riverboat Sean anytime soon? <laughs> I'm not sure about that. I actually, uh, I'll meet him on, uh, I'll meet Sean McDermott on, I believe, Thursday. Oh, nice. On Thursday. But I think, that, I think they're similar enough. I think Ron Rivera might be a little more laid back, at least outwardly laid back. I just watched the full season of All or Nothing last night. <laughs> He's a lot more animated when we're not, when media's not around. <laughs> But uh, yeah, you said they are coming from a similar coaching tree here. And uh, well, I mean, shoot, McDermott is in Ron Rivera's coaching tree. So I'm interested in seeing the comparison and being able to contrast the two. Because uh, I think McDermott's got a lot of promise as a head coach right now. I think all he needed was that opportunity that he got in Buffalo. And uh, I mean, what is it? It's 15 and 17 in two years. I mean, that's a, it's really not a bad two year stretch for a first year quarterback or first year coach and a rebuilding franchise. I'm going to hit you up at the end of this year and I'm going to ask you what you think about McDermott after a full year of McDermott equal time to, to Rivera. That'd be fair. How much does demeanor and off the field stuff, you know, player personality, team player, you know, the, the thing we were talking about Sean McCoy a minute ago and Sean McCoy has a little bit of a you know, he got some heat because he kind of threw his offensive lineman admittedly bad, but he sort of threw him under the bus on Instagram last year. Um, you know, he, he wore the captain C, but got a little bit of, uh, according to some people, maybe didn't behave in the way that you would typically want a captain to behave whenever they're talking about your, your demeanor with the team and all that and how you treat your teammates. Um, you know, Cam Newton, although not whenever you were there, had a bit of a... You know, I don't know, 
soured some people's opinion of him after the Super Bowl, whenever he, you know, as a competitor was was upset about how it went and kind of, you know, wore that on his sleeve. How much does that stuff, although they're very different, and I'm not trying to say that they're the same, how much does that stuff matter, do you think, to what a team is trying to accomplish? And there may not be one answer, but what's your take on that? I think it's important because you need to have, and you'll hear anybody, you'll hear any, any long-time NFL vet say that, you need to have the right kind of guys in the locker room or you're not going to win. You can have the best collection of talent in the world, but you're not going to do anything if you're always bickering, if nobody's leading, if you can't get along, or at least figure out how to get along on the field. And, uh, and it's important for, for building a long-term foundation with, with your players because you're not going to build around a guy who is going to do something to get himself suspended every offseason. I, I guarantee that's something Dallas is talking about with Ezekiel Elliott right now. Whether he's been found guilty or whether he actually did anything, he keeps finding himself in certain situations that, you know, you don't want your franchise cornerstone finding yourselves in. Uh, you know, sometimes talent, and that's what it's going to do with Zeke, talent trumps all. So I don't think he's, I think he's too good to let the uh, offseason stuff uh, this early in his career deter them from resigning them but uh, no you need the right kind of guys you need leaders in the locker room you need guys who who know how to act when they do get their long their big contract who who still work just as hard who still serve in as, as an example to other guys on the team on the field and uh, I think you can't undervalue you can't undervalue a player that you don't have to worry about because the best ability is availability What's your opinion on the replaceability of running backs in the NFL nowadays? Would you give uh, Melvin Gordon and Zeke big money, or do you think that the third-round guy you can draft behind, you know, the average offensive line is going to be similarly uh, talented? Okay. Um, I like the resurgence that we've seen in running backs over the past few years. Like, I mean, what you're seeing with Zeke, what you see with Saquon, what you see with David Johnson as well. Um, when he's got a line around him. But I think uh, I think the spotlight, the running back of the future is going to be basically half running back, half wide receiver. Percy Harvin would be incredible in today's NFL. But uh, guys like Christian McCaffrey, guys like Alvin Kamara, guys like Saquon Barkley, who are a weapon no matter how you get them the ball. Uh, Zeke Elliott can flash that as well. Le'Veon Bell is another. Uh, I don't think you can find talent like that just anywhere. Uh, I mean, you're not going to throw, nah, you, you can't just throw, I don't think, a six-round running back in for Le'Veon Bell. Yeah, I think Steelers got lucky with, with, with James Conner, but you, you can't replace, you can't always replace that. And Dallas struggled to do it when, when Elliott was out, uh, but it, it's... No, I, I value running backs pretty high. I know that logically, reasonably, they get hit the most, so the careers are not, don't last as long, and that might diminish their value. But what they can do and how they can help an offense, I don't think you can, um, I don't think you can look past that. Fair. There are distinct parties on that. I mean, there is, there are campaigns on both sides. 2020. It's not just about presence. It's about running backs too. <laughs> no, like I, it's 
No, I, I just, I'm trying to think of an example where, you know, a, a top flight guy goes out and... I think Pittsburgh is it. I mean, Pittsburgh, that's that's the example that's a prime. Use. Melvin Gordon goes out last year and Austin Eckler comes in and has almost identical yards per carry impact on the game. Chargers go 4-0 with Eckler. Things like that happen, yeah. I mean, Todd, I mean, Todd Gurley and C.J. Anderson in Los Angeles. C.J. Anderson, yeah, but C.J. Anderson's not a replacement back. I don't think Eckler is either. I don't think he's a replacement level back. I think C.J.'s a guy who, who's a thousand-yard rusher when he gets the opportunity. And, I mean, he'll remind you of that every chance he gets. <laughs> not a great guy. I like C.J. Anderson. But, uh, no, I don't think that was uh, – I think that there's extenuating circumstances. If you've got a guy, if, you, if, you, if your backup is a thousand-yard rusher, if, is an electric talent, is a Pro Bowl All-Pro talent as well, then okay, your top guy becomes a little more replaceable. But uh, I don't know. I, I don't think that's the situation everywhere you're going to go. I think those are. I think those are kind of rare. I think those are kind of rare occurrences. Do you think Alfred Morris could have success? Ezekiel Elliott doesn't get paid. He's not going to be Zeke. He might have success. That line's going mean, to that line is going to pave holes. And that's 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 the chicken the, and the egg concept right there. I guess it's situational. Yeah. But uh, he's not going to be Ezekiel Elliott, and he no. wasn't Ezekiel Elliott. No. So. I have one last question. Do you have anything else, Bruce? Okay. I've got one last question for myself. So. Yeah. <clears throat> I'm not equating these things at all, but Bruce and I were doing a podcast and it was Rinky Dinkin on our own, and then we had the opportunity to come on with the place that distributes our podcast now, which is the SB Nation Bill's site uh, mm -hmm. called Buffalo Rumblings. Yeah. And it's nice to be with them. They've got resources and they've got infrastructure and all of that, and it's, it's, it's a totally different experience, I think, as far as what, you know, how we take, how seriously we take what we're doing compared to that. Now, obviously, you were doing what you were doing professionally before, so again, I'm not at all equating things. But how is it working for ESPN, you know, the worldwide leader? What's, what is that like? Um, man, the, the talent level that, that I'm around right now is difficult to describe. Um, getting DMs from, I hate name dropping, but I guess it's kind of part of the answer here. Getting DMs from like Field Yates, from from Adam oh. Schefter, from guys that yeah. like I got off the plane to a DM, an unsolicited DM from Adam Schefter, and That's I, awesome. I had to wake myself back up. But like guys, if you, I'm working with people now who I grew up reading and watching, and um, it's just, and it it feels like a, a, the pinnacle. It just feels like something that this is the why. You know, I'm designing pages at four in the morning, or I'm reaching, I'm, I'm researching high school stats at six a.m. on a Saturday. Like it, that kind of work to get here, and I'm surrounded by just a lot of like-minded people who. I mean, I had a whole conversation about just the most obscure sports topics, like uh, the best teal-colored jerseys in the 1990s, or why the 90s itself was the the pinnacle of, of sports fashion in the NBA, of fashion in the NBA. Like just the little nerdy conversations like that. I don't know. It, it, it's it's almost it's difficult to describe, but it's without sounding too corny, it, it's a dream come true. And you seem like a young man, so 
Who knows what other dreams that you haven't even had yet are coming your way? Who knows, man? But uh, so you, the Adam Schefter DM is that more exciting than the DM from me for us to do this? <laughs> <laughs> Our feelings, but. Just kidding, you know, just, <laughs> a little, just slightly, slightly, slightly yeah. I would say. Nice. Well, Marcel, appreciate your generosity of your time, uh, your kindness. We're glad to have met you and hope you like Ted's and we'll uh, we'll keep in touch on the Twitter machine. Where can people find you again? Yeah, you told us earlier, but give us one more reminder. Yeah, you can find me at, uh, at Marcel, M-A-R-C-E-L underscore L-J on Twitter. Awesome. Well, thanks, Marcel, and uh, good luck on the beat, and we look forward to following you. Appreciate it, y'all. Thanks for having me on. Well, that's it, everybody. I hope that you enjoyed this edition of the Nick and Nolan Show. We will be back with you later this week with probably our final show from the food tour. We're still trying to do a little bit of rescue on the audio that we have from our visit to Bar Bill with Rockpile Report and Banged Up Bills. Unfortunately, it was so loud and busy in there, as anybody who's ever been to Bar Bill would be able to attest to, that the audio quality that we captured really wasn't up to snuff. However, it's where Bruce got wings, and it's where we got the answer about whether or not it was ranch or blue cheese and what his feedback on them was. So we're doing our very best to figure out if there's a way that we can get portions of that conversation or that conversation in whole delivered to you guys in a way that doesn't make you want to pull your hair out when you're listening to it. As you can tell, even whenever we were recording with Marcel and Ted's, it was loud and there was a lot of background noise and all that kind of stuff. So we appreciate your patience and your grace as we were putting together these unconventional episodes. And we hope that you're enjoying the conversation, getting to know these personalities a little bit more through our conversations with them, getting to learn more about the Buffalo Foods if it's not something that you've had, or hearing our takes on them if it's something you have every day of the week. So thank you so much for listening. We really hope that you're enjoying the show. Please, as always, I'm going to ask you every single time, head over to the iTunes store, man. If you like what we're doing, if you think that we're putting out an, a, an interesting podcast, if you like hearing what Bruce and I talk about and our our thoughts and our banter and all that stuff, we read every single review that you guys leave us. Every single one. We read it. We take the feedback. If you tell us there's things you want us to change or there's things that we should do differently, we discuss it and we take every piece of feedback seriously. And if you just like what we're doing, give us the motivation to keep doing it. Please head over there. Give us a review. We hope it's four or five stars. And let us know what you think of the pod and what, if any, this plays in your Buffalo Bills fandom. Thank you so much for listening. And as always, until next time. I do the cha-cha like a sissy girl. I like a do the cha-cha. Support for this podcast comes from Smartwater. Want to get a little more from every sip? Smartwater Alkaline doesn't just taste crisp and pure. It's loaded with everything you need to perform at your best. 
whether you're running marathons or boardroom meetings. Elevate how you hydrate and pick up a Smart Water Alkaline today. To learn more, visit drinksmartwater.com. Support for this show comes from Fundrise. Buy low, sell high. It's easy to say, hard to do. For example, high interest rates are crushing the real estate market right now. Demand is dropping and prices are falling, even for many of the best assets. It's no wonder the Fundrise flagship fund plans to go on a buying spree, expanding its billion-dollar real estate portfolio over the next few months. You can add the Fundrise flagship fund to your portfolio in just minutes and with as little as $10 by visiting Fundrise.com Fox. Carefully consider the investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses of the Fundrise flagship fund before investing. This and other information can be found in the fund's prospectus at Fundrise.com flagship. This is a paid advertisement.